Hello and welcome to DealCast, the weekly M&A podcast which is presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. I'm a business journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. In this episode, we're finding out more about foreign direct investment or FDI screening in Europe and why it's such a hot topic at the moment. I'm joined by Jacob Parry, Chief Regulatory Correspondent for PAR and Deal Reporter, who's based in Brussels, and Arezki Yaish, Head of French Coverage for Merger Market and Deal Reporter. Hi, Jacob. Hi, Reski. Thanks very much for joining me today. Hi, Juliana. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So can we begin with you explaining briefly, please, why FDI screening is so high on the agenda in Europe at the moment? I think it's worth noting that investment screening is not new to EU member states. Some regimes like those in France and Germany have existed for decades. That said, historically, the focus was really much on security and defence. And we saw a pretty limited space in which such regimes could really interfere in the deal-making or even shape the deal-making process. The key development has been the 2017 EU FDI regulation. And that's that's EU regulation? At the EU level, yes. And and I should also note that while this covers EU member states, it's not just EU member states who are concerned about inbound investment. The United Kingdom has been particularly hawkish in the past few years as we've seen a number of vetoes. I think we can think of the Newport Wafer Fab, um, the acquisition of, of, of that uh, asset by Nixperia as being one such deal. But I think it just really reflects the growing geopolitical concerns that EU member states and countries like the United Kingdom have, in particular when it comes to countries like China. I think Jacob summed it up very well, but I, I would add to it uh, the wake-up call that the COVID uh pandemic was, I mean, we, we saw a disruption of the supply chain and uh, uh, the, the, the EU member states crumbled to coordinate on, on several things, on the, on the vaccines, on, on also like uh, securing uh, uh, the, the supply chain, I mean, also for food safety, especially. So this shock, I think, pushed for an acceleration of, uh, of uh, the implementation of, of FDI regime in some countries where we had no regime, and in uh, historic uh, uh, countries like France and Germany, where it has been uh, 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 strengthened or heightened uh, to avoid uh, acquisition on the chip, uh, when you saw we saw like a decrease in valuation and you know risk of uh, acquisition, uh, you know hostile acquisitions. Great, thank you. And so we're going to look now at some of the countries that have been in the spotlight. Starting with you, Jacob. Let's have a look at Germany. The Costco review. Costco is the Chinese shipping company that's taking in a minority stake in Hamburg's container terminal. That deal finally ended last month, or the review finally ended last month. Why did it take so long and why did it prompt such heated debate in Germany? This deal and the review that the German government conducted has really been a hot rod for controversy ever since the deal was announced. I think there's maybe one key factor here, and it's China's growing uh, influence on marine supply chains. That's really what triggered the German government's concern. We saw a bit of a preview to this uh, when 
Um, Costco took a state in the port of took a stake in the port of Piraeus uh, a few years ago. That was kind of seen as a warning shot by some of the more hawkish, uh, more hawkish of those in the the West who have concerns about China's outbound investment. I think it's also also worth noting that there's been reporting that the U.S. government intervened on this transaction and asked that the German government take a take a uh, hard and fast look at what uh, Costco was looking to acquire. I think the last thing that's worth mentioning that's kind of interesting about this deal is that it really split the German government. We had the chancellor, Olaf Schulz, who was also the former mayor of, of Hamburg, quite supportive of the deal. Meanwhile, we had the Ministry of Economic Affairs and Climate, which is controlled by Green Minister Robert Habeck, against the deal. That split uh, resulted in a lot of ink in the German press over the last few months. Uh, we saw an approval back in October 2022 at a 24.99% stake, uh, a, a few percentage points less than the parties had initially uh, agreed to. In April this year, there was another uh, revival of the review when it became unclear whether or not the asset uh, fell under the revised guidelines uh, that the ministry updates every year to figure out what uh, counts as essential infrastructure. After an intense bout of lobbying, finally, a few weeks ago, the German government said, we've decided to clear this deal. But of course, not without some controversy. And we've already seen in the weeks since then, a lot of hot rhetoric from the Greens, from the Christian Democrats, and also from the FDP, who are in coalition with the Socialists and, and the Greens, sort of pointing out that this was probably not the best outcome in their perspective. So it sounds like a bit of a political hot potato, but it's not just Chinese buyers that are facing this scrutiny, is it? Because with the Feisman carrier deal, Feisman is the German heat pump maker, that had a US buyer and that's also drawn significant scrutiny. Why is that? And is it clear when and where the German government can intervene in a deal? I think the Fiesman acquisition, and again, this is Carrier, the global air conditioning giant based in the United States, taking up uh, or, or, or acquiring Fiesman's main business, which is heat pumps. It was a 12.5 billion euro transaction. Also worth noting that Fiesman is a, a proud Mittelstand company. Uh, it's very much seen as, as, as emblematic of the success that uh, medium-sized family-owned enterprises can have in Germany. So I think for that reason and the fact that we're, we're, we're talking here about what is really a leading sector in Germany, heat pumps, something that uh, uh, somewhere where Germany is seen as, uh, as having a, a lot of R&D, a lot of innovation and a lot of political importance as the EU and Germany both look to meet their climate goals in the decades to come. I think for all of those reasons, this emerged as a, another sort of hot potato. That said, this is heat pumps. It's not semiconductors. It's not essential infrastructure. We're really talking about something here that would fall traditionally outside of the scope of investment screening. Remember, the rationale for most investment screening regimes is really security. How heat pumps connect with security, that's for, that is evidently one of the questions that the German government uh, has, to, has to decide. So, just in terms of the, the nuts and bolts of, of this transaction, the parties proactively 
approached the German government and notified the transaction. Now we're going to see a review over the coming months. I believe the parties have until mid-2024 to close the deal. So these reviews can last for some time, even if it is in a not particularly sensitive sector. And even if it involves a U.S. buyer, we've seen in different member states, uh, U.S. buyers run into trouble or at least very much uh, having to engage and offer commitments on certain transactions. So I think it, it really shows that uh, that no matter where the buyer comes from, um, no matter the sector, if there is enough political energy or if it touches on enough hot wires, it can ultimately lead to a deal being scrutinized by um, an EU member state. Great. Thank you. And could you just briefly outline what's next for Germany's FDI screening regime, please? Yeah, so I, it's it's been an interesting few years uh, as the German government has sought to sort of beef up its tools during the COVID-19 pandemic and also uh, look, look at more sectors where we see inbound uh, Chinese investment in particular. And I think a key part of that effort has been reviewing and revising its uh, underlying legislation. It's worth noting that the uh, FDI screening regime in Germany is underpinned by more than one piece of legislation. So we've reported that the German government has the goal of consolidating that legislation hopefully by 2024. There are going to be some interesting pieces uh, and new aspects to, to that legislation. In particular, the German government, uh, we've reported, is considering on whether or not to apply investment screening rules to greenfield investments. So new uh, investments in a plant or a factory that hitherto did not exist. They're also looking to address the uh, silent investors, those who fail to respond to uh, uh, the German government's inquiry. And then finally, a topic that's emerging a bit at the EU level as well, outbound investment screening controls. So there's been a, a lot of discourse in particular about the uh, vulnerability that certain German um, exporters have vis-a-vis uh, -vis China. And I think that has triggered a conversation along with sort of this parallel debate in the United States about investment screening on the extent to which European countries should also be looking at outbound investment screening. Great, thank you. And we'll come on to the wider European legislation in a moment. But Arezki, coming to you now and looking at France, France has got one of Europe's oldest investment screening regimes, which started back in 1966. And it's also seen as one of the toughest or the most advanced. Now, the ministry issued its annual report earlier this month. So what does that tell us about France's priorities or concerns in relation to FDI screening? Yeah, f first of all, it's good to have uh, some sort of uh, 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 historic tool, I was about to say. Uh, but yeah, to, 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 to understand why uh, uh, France has the, has the oldest regime. As a nuclear power after World War II, uh, it was obvious for France to, to apply uh, uh, FDI screening on defense and security only. And it is uh, until 2014, uh, it was not extended to other sectors. The acquisition of uh, Alstom Energy Assets by uh, U.S. General Electrics in 2014 triggered an extension uh, to other uh, sectors, you know, beyond uh, defense and security. That was uh, energy supply, uh, healthcare, 
transportation network. And then in 2019, uh, with uh, the election of uh, Emmanuel Macron in 2017, and uh, 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 his plan to uh, uh, beef up European sovereignty, so also uh, France uh, economic sovereignty. Uh, so he came up with a, a law called Pact, which was uh, set to free uh, France uh, economic potential with less norms and uh, 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 more, I mean, uh, making France more attractive for foreign investment. And in this law, we had also an extension of the FDI screening to uh, food safety, energy storage, or data protection and data management. And with with the COVID uh, 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 pandemic, uh, 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 the the threshold, which was initially set at uh, 33% in 20. Uh, 19 and 25% in 2019, uh, sorry, uh, for foreign investors to be, uh, 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 invest, uh, investment from foreign investors to be reviewed. Um, uh, the threshold has been lowered, you know, to avoid, uh, acquisition on the cheap, uh, because of the, you know, uh, the, 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 the situation, uh, COVID, uh, put us all in. And, uh, so yeah, since, since then, uh, it has never, uh, came back to a uh, normal threshold. This threshold has been uh, uh, reduced to uh, uh, lowered to ten uh, percent for some transaction. So yes, indeed, France is the 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 the, the strictest uh, regime. But you know, some French politicians would say also the most advanced because uh, we are not naive anymore and uh, we want to to protect our industry and uh, avoid the the the, the supply chain. Uh, Accounts we we noticed during the the COVID period. Um, uh, now, but there, there's also a, 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 some sort of discre- discrepancy or paradox with France. Uh, you know, we, the, the, the 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 report published last week uh, flagged that France was for the fourth year in a row or th- third year in a row uh, the most attractive destination for foreign investment. And uh, so according to a, a, a study published by uh, uh, Ernst and Young. Um, with, uh, with 30 billion, uh, euros invested in France. Uh, but what this report is not mentioning is, you know, they just focus on volumes, but not on, uh, jobs creation, on value creation. And, uh, the, 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 the trouble with France and many politicians are flagging that, uh, throughout Europe, not only France, is that on the one hand, you want to attract more for investment, but on the other end, you hasten uh, FDI screening also for European partners, uh, being the country, France, uh, pushing for a, 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 a hasten European sovereignty. It is uh, difficult to take that uh, uh, your FDI regime uh, is also uh, screening uh, European investments because uh, compared to Germany, for instance, uh, uh, which also fo- focus mostly on defense, security, infrastructure, France is also uh, screening deals in the agricultural space, uh, in the cybersecurity, uh, uh, communication sometimes, you know, when it, it deals with uh, some media, key media. So, yeah, there's some sort of uh, paradox with France, a double uh, speech, if I can say. So, yeah, this is uh, interesting to see the, the developments, uh, you know, throughout Europe and how the Commission is trying to uh, uh, push for uh, alignment between uh, FDI regimes. But uh, we, 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 we can see that France has this, its uh, own way of uh, advancing. And uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see what uh, will come ahead uh, in Europe. And Jacob, did you have something to add to that? 
I think it's been interesting to see in the past few years, maybe the logic of investment screening start to morph a little bit. In the 2000s and the 2010s, it really was about defense deals. I don't think that any legal advisor would be surprised to see a lot of scrutiny of a, of a deal in a security sensitive sector. But now this point about uh, low valuations during the COVID-19 pandemic, that was a real concern. and. There's been a lot more scrutiny of deals outside of traditionally sensitive sectors. I think a key one in France that's worth mentioning was the attempt by Couchard, a Canadian uh, grocer, uh, uh, gasoline store chain, uh, looking to take over Carrefour, which ultimately collapsed uh, in uh, before the deal was even announced, in part because they knew that they were going to get heavy scrutiny by the French government. So. It's definitely a lot more politicized than it has been in years past. And while I think France stands out in some ways as maybe having the most stringent regime on the continent, I don't think that the underlying dynamics are at all unique to France. Great. Thank you. And we're running out of time a bit. So I would like to ask you to answer the next question briefly, if possible. But looking at Europe at large and the EU, we've covered it a little bit in the previous answer. But what's next for the EC's own FDI regulation and the mechanism that it established? You mentioned earlier about outbound screening controls, Jacob. Right. So there's been a debate since the EU screening mechanism was first suggested over the extent to which the Commission should be able to harmonize or Europeanize the approach across the EU. I think uh, as our examples in France have, uh, have shown, there's a limit to that, given that this is a national competence. So coming up later this year, we're going to hit the third anniversary of the EU screening mechanism. The Commission is due to write a report. Obviously, they'll be looking at the extent to which different countries have introduced or hardened their regimes. But I think they'll also start to be giving an open uh, open mind to what are the next piece uh, in investment screening. Could we maybe see outbound con- uh, investment screening controls uh, at the EU level in the same way that the United States is considering? So I think all said and done, we have seen a lot of developments on investment screening in the past few years. But I think as the European Commission gets set to review its own tools, we're really going to see a lot more in the years to come. What I can add to that is uh, that this uh, uh, review is uh, is is uh, you know happening uh, less than a year. I mean, one year, uh, yes, yes, it will be less than a year uh, before the next European election. So we may see a lot of political interference. Uh, you know, since the the campaign will be in full swing in early twenty twenty four, and the election will 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 happen in in June twenty four. Uh, there's a risk to see like many political interference to push for uh, either uh, a greater European sovereignty, a shared European sovereignty, or you know maybe uh, 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 questioning uh, 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 an homogeneous system uh, across the 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 the, the block and uh, pushing for just like regimes to to stay uh, national. So that will be very interesting to see what will be the the quality of the debate uh, when this review will happen. Uh, at the European Commission. It's a great job they have and <laughs> it's going to be funny to watch and very interesting as well. Great. Arezki and Jacob, thanks very much. That was Arezki Yaish and Jacob Parry. 
Thanks for listening to Dealcast presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, have a look at our show notes. Join us again next week.